You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and today I'm talking about side guys, gay men who enjoy sex without anal penetration. Today I'll be talking with YouTuber, LGBTQ plus activist, and writer Bradley Burkholz, and Latino nurse practitioner Jason Villarreal. Gay men are constantly referring to and defining themselves as tops, bottoms, verse, top verse, bottom verse. When they consider dating or simply hooking up, Gay men typically ask the other guy what he is as it relates to anal sex. Gay men are rigidly defined by penetrative sex. There's so much talk and discussion about who gives and who receives. But what if a guy is in a top or a bottom or even versatile? What if what about gay men who never engaged in anal sex and never ever will? What if they tried it and didn't enjoy it and never do it again? I've always thought they deserved a name of their own and I created the term sides. I wrote an article in Huffington Post in 2013 called Guys on the Side, Looking Beyond Gay Tops and Bottoms. Sides typically struggle with tremendous feelings of shame. They secretly believe that they should be engaging in and enjoying anal sex, and that if something must be wrong with them, if they're not not enjoying that, it's high time for sides to come out and feel proud and secure about their sexuality. So that's our discussion today that it's okay to be a side, and I'm welcoming both Bradley and Jason. Welcome. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you. So tell me if uh, either one of you want to go first, why is this something you wanted to talk about on, a, on my podcast, and why is being a side passionate uh, uh, something to talk about? Do you want to go first? <laughs> um, sure. Um, so I don't know. I guess I would just say very briefly in, in my practice, um, I'm – privileged to hear a lot of people's stories um, as it particularly as it relates to healthcare, but life is healthcare, sex is healthcare, um, relationships, hookups are all healthcare. And um, behind closed doors, I, people have told me things that they would never tell other people, which is what should happen when you're speaking with your medical provider. So we have an accurate sense of what people are, are doing sexually, what people are doing with their lives in general. And um, just hearing and seeing that diversity, that true diversity of expression, of sexual expression, really has helped me, myself, to also be comfortable in my own self-expression, which is to say that um, I've tried uh, top and bottom, and it just doesn't appeal to me. Um, And, um, you know, I never, just just as with my patients, I never say never, um, but it's, things are highly unlikely in, in certain regards. So, I think just um, just very briefly, I think it's good to have these conversations um, to really kind of better understand the diversity of people's experiences and to affirm those. Thank you, Jason. All right, Bradley, you go. Um, well, firstly, I just want to also clarify that I'm actually bisexual, um, but I don't think that really makes anything anything different in this conversation. Um, I think a lot of men who have intimacy um, with with any 
persons of any gender um, can relate to the fact that society puts a lot of pressure and obsession over penetration, whether that is with opposite sex or same sex relationships. Um, and that can be a very, very frustrating experience, um, regardless of your sexuality. Um, and it's definitely something that like, I know bisexual men who, you know, are intimate with women and who are also, you know, not fond of the obsession uh, with penetration and this kind of glorification of that very specific form of intimacy. Um, I think for me, a lot of my frustration with the top bottom dichotomy is that um, it's built into really intense stereotypes that um, affect so many aspects of somebody's life. You know, um, there's this assumption that because um, I'm a skinny, you know, guy with who's, you know, of average height, um, who paints his nails that I must want to be, be like kind of used and abused in a very specific receptive form of, of sexual intimacy. Um, and that assumption is so heavily um, interlaced with my physical characteristics to where I'll go on dates and that's just the assumption. So I think that um, the top bottom dichotomy, it's stereotyping, it's harmful, it's carrying over a lot of heterosexual ideas of sex and intimacy. So a lot of my passion around talking about this subject is um, about debunking some of those notions and um, debunking some of those stereotypes, creating a healthier culture around dating and sex, and um, you know, tearing down some of the shame that people have around not enjoying penetration, um, and also just educating on the wide variety of intimacy that exists amongst men who love men. You know, there is so many ways that um, you know same-sex male intimacy can occur, um, and it's just so limiting to say that that can only exist through the lens of penetration. So. Um, there's, there's a lot of motivations for me to talk about this subject. It is it's something I'm very passionate about. And I'm so glad you're both here. And you, Bradley, I didn't know about you until, so we started a Facebook private group called Side Guys for gay men and bisexual men who don't uh, enjoy anal penetration. And then somebody linked to your videos and I started watching them on this whole uh, unpacking and challenging this dichotomy of top, bottom, the binary, right? And, um, you know, really my entire gay life, so I've been gay my entire, I've been out, you know, since I'm 14 to my very first therapist, I've just been always gay and never enjoyed anal sex and uh, never tried it. I've never been the receptor. So people who don't, who are listening, if you don't know, a top is somebody who gives anal sex. The bottom is the one who receives anal sex. I'm neither. So I would always feel ashamed and guys would talk about fucking and therapists would tell me I hated sex and there was something wrong with me and gay guys would tell me, then what do you do? Like, like this weird, like, well, then what do you do? Like, there's nothing else to do other than fuck. Right. And um, so over time, I just, and then people would tell me I'm a virgin. So over time, I just, I don't know, in my late forties, I started feeling like, why do I have to feel ashamed of this? There's nothing wrong with me. And I was talking with friends and who know I'm not top or bottom. And I said, well, then maybe I'm just a side, you know, I was joking. And then everyone sort of liked that idea. And I really liked the idea. And then I wrote about it. It was very anxiety provoking for me to write that article because I think I come out in it a little bit, but not big. And I was, I was not sure how it would be received. Um, but I also didn't care because I wanted to feel less shame and I wanted other guys. And what I really like about what you're adding, Bradley, that maybe you could say more of is I don't think I do a great job and want to do a better job in adding bisexuals to this because some bisexual guys, they do have penetrative sex with women, but they don't have penetrative sex with men. And we had a discussion on the thread inside guys and said, well, then there's still sides. What do you think? 
Yeah, no, I think there are definitely still sides. Um, and also the side, side as a label, it's like many labels, we use it um, to assist in our understanding of our sexuality and our identity. Um, and it can mean different things for different people. Um, some people that use the label side are open to having um, penetrative sex with partners under certain circumstances, but just maybe don't prefer it. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like um, there's a label that called gray asexual, which are, you know, asexual people that are still willing to have sex with, with partners under certain circumstances. Um, and, and of course, I, I almost hesitate to even make that label comparison because, of course, people think that sides are asexual and, you know, have lower sex drives. And that's super problematic and just completely false. Um, and in fact, I do think it's interesting you brought up the virginity things. I've gotten that, that you're a virgin. I've gotten that I'm straight because I don't like anal sex you know (laughs) and it's so frustrating um but yeah I think ultimately like these labels are really helpful to better understand our sexuality and they don't need to um be conclusive to say that you know they they don't need to denote anything about our sexuality ultimately me saying that I'm a side doesn't mean that I wouldn't have penetration with someone of the opposite sex and additionally it doesn't mean that I wouldn't ever have penetration with someone of the same sex it just means that I absolutely do not identify as a top or bottom I don't identify as versatile I don't participate in that entire culture of nonsensical sexual stereotyping and generally speaking that's not high on my list of things to do. I think there's a lot of other things that are a lot more enjoyable that I'd much rather do. And if I never have anal sex, I'm perfectly content with that. Um, so, you know, I think that label can mean different things for different people. And I think that's okay. And definitely something bisexual people can claim. Um, and heck, I'm sure even that we could extend it to other sexualities and identities, depending on, you know, it, it's a conversation to be had. And, and, you know, we're really the only ones having this conversation. People are so within, people have such rigid ideas around their sexualities that the, the idea of, of a side is radical. And that's crazy. It's crazy that it's so like controversial as a concept. Totally. And, and Jason, maybe you could talk to, because Jason's the reason I want to make sure you get full credit for why I even started the Facebook group. You know, I wrote that article and then I, I sort of didn't see it go anywhere, but it was going places. People were doing support groups. I've gone across the country and people have come up to me and said, oh my God, the gay community, LGBT community center, we're doing this group. We have this support group online and um, I should do something with it. I never did. I never did. And then I met Jason online and Jason's like, if you don't do it, I'm doing it. So it's happening, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And it inspired me to do it. So maybe, Jason, you could say, why did you think it was important that we have a group like this? Um, well, I, I think I've learned um, in personal experience and with friends and with patients that I always say that, particularly with partners, in as much as is possible, honesty is helpful, best for everybody. So just personally, if I'm on an app or on or talking with somebody off an app, or whatever, um, it's so much easier for everybody involved if this is kind of out in the front and say, you know, this is what I'm interested in. And many times people want to know, they ask all the time in various ways on apps, what are you into? And I think when people are clear, that makes for, first of all, um, there's no uh, unreasonable expectations. But second of all, I've been pleasantly surprised to sometimes get the answer, me too. Um, and I think the more visibility there is for this to say that, hey, this is this is an option of so many options. Um, you you know, people may say I, I could be a partner with somebody because I'm not into it either myself or somebody could say, I really like you that I'm going we can make this work. We you know, we maybe we don't have penetrative sex. Maybe, you know, that's that's the beauty, I think, of being in the LGBTQ spectrum and continuum and many people have many different points in their life or in different spots is that we get to make our own rules and that's not easy the negotiation is very difficult 
But once the negotiation is there and um, all parties uh, have, have consented, it just makes things so much better. And I think that, um, you know, I think having that visibility is so important because then other people can, can feel comfortable saying, oh, me too. And then you find out there's actually more people than you thought, or there's more people who would be willing to, you know, go, you know, make it work. And instead of having a facade and trying to make it work for a year or two, three, four years, if it's out in the open, then it's, it's great. You move on. And then you don't have to deal with all that drama anymore. Yeah. So what I love about the group is it's shame reduction, right? That's my whole job as a psychotherapist. Get rid of the shame. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not a virgin, you know, and we don't even use virgin anymore in um, sex therapy. We say, when was your sexual debut? Right. And that's up to you. Each person has their own decision. And, uh, you know, the other thing I like that I hate actually is that these apps don't allow you to identify as anything but top or bottom or versatile. And I know there's been a petition to grinder. It has not been signed very much uh, by people, but one guy in our group, and I really liked this, he, in his pictures puts this and I like this. And a lot of people are going to start to do this. And it's my, it's uh, how I define a side in the Huffington post article. A side is someone who prefers to kiss, hug and engage in oral sex mutual masturbation, and rubbing up and down on each other, to just name a few of the sexual activities they enjoy. These men enjoy practically every sexual practice aside from anal penetration of any kind. They may have tried it and even performed it for some time before they became aware that for them, it was simply not erotic and wasn't getting any more so. I love that. You know, I just think that that's that's what should be the definition on the apps. What do you guys think? Well, I think that, that there's an the honesty there. I mean, that's, that's, that's the accuracy. And, um, you know, once somebody is able to be honest about kind of what they're into and not into, then it's just everybody's happier. Um, and, uh, you know, you say, you talk about um, maybe they've tried it. They're not just, just, it just not into it. That's, I think that's so much better to just really be able to say that and then say, this is what I am interested in. So instead of just focusing on not into this or that, um, say, I'm really into this and this and this. And again, sometimes you'll find someone say, well, actually that sounds really appealing. Also let's, let's do that. Um, and I think that that visibility, the more visibility is, is, is we all had to come out and we all know generationally that the more people come out, the more kind of normalized it is to not to be on a strictly heterosexual end of a spectrum. So I think this is another part of that process. Yeah, I love what you say about honesty, um, because that is so much to do with it. I definitely spent so much of my time um, um, after I had come out, you know, trying to conform into a system that just made me very unhappy. And it was always this idea that I had to be one or the other, or I had to fulfill this expectation to obtain sex and love and relationships. And this is something people are always commenting on my videos about um, being aside. People are always like, but will I be able to find a partner? Will I be able to find love? And they already kind of know for themselves that they belong to this community, but their fear is that because they belong to this community that will isolate them and they need to jump through all these hoops to fit into, you know, the gay community or the wider LGBT community's expectation of their sexuality. And it's always, it always makes me really sad. And I, you know, always do my best to take the time to respond and say, no, you can absolutely meet other people. Like you would be surprised how many people are out there. Um, And the thing is like, sometimes people just do not know enough about their own sexuality. We get all of our ideas around sexuality, mostly through pornography. And so you'll find so many, you know, gay and bisexual men 
wouldn't even know that there's another option. And so they might ask the question, are you a top or bottom? And you might respond and say, actually, I'm neither. And they might go, oh, I didn't realize that was an option. And then you can have that conversation. Um, and and it's as you say, then you're just more people are coming out, you're expanding and, and educating. And sometimes when I get that question, what are you into? I'm like, oh, man, like you have no idea what you just asked. We're going to we're going to talk about that. And I have this opportunity to explain forms of sexuality that people have never heard of, like Froding and, um, you know, other and intercrural and other forms of non-penetrative intimacy. And people just don't know these exist because their their viewpoints are so penetrative from, you know, watching pornography and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I think going back to the original question is an amazing definition. I think it's great. Um, yeah. And people don't realize there's a difference between sexual orientation and erotic orientation. So Mm -hmm. my sexual orientation is to men, but my erotic orientation includes lots of things. It does not include when, when porn goes to penetration, I'm turned off. Um, and actually I'm mostly turned on by straight porn. I'm not necessarily, uh, uh, turned on by, uh, uh, gay porn. Um, it's like watching lesbian porn for me. It's, it doesn't do much for me. Um, and people, you know, they look at you like, well, how could that be? And like you said, Jason, like maybe you're really straight or if, if you don't like all this. Um, but you said something that you, that I want to make sure we talk about that with dating, you know, p- dating's hard enough. And then here you are not engaging in penetration. And I'll tell you what I did in my twenties when I st- was dating, I never did a penetration, but I, I waited until I found the right guy and lots of good guys passed me by. But 28 years ago, my husband, Mike was willing to stay with me, was willing to say, I can forego that. Um, and we talked about that maybe throughout our relationship, we may have experimented a little bit, but it really just never turned either of us on and it worked. So it is possible, but it just means you have to wait longer. Well, and not even always that I, you, you know, sometimes, yes, you do kind of put yourself into a smaller dating pool. That can be true, but likewise, it's more common than I think a lot of people would realize. And and it also depends on kind of where you're looking for intimacy. Like, you know, we've, I've spent plenty of time on Grindr, you know, I'm definitely not judging the use of Grindr, but obviously we talked about earlier, Grindr has a top or bottom option. Like Grindr literally creates a system and a community that is based around penetrative sex. So you're already by using that app, more likely to find people that are in that dichotomy because that's what the whole app creates that whole structure. Whereas if you meet somebody on a dating app that isn't based around that, your conversation around sexual preferences might happen on the second date and it might be more of a conversation. And, you know, I mean, I've been asked the top or bottom question, you know, man, if I had a dollar for every time I'd ask that, I would be a very wealthy man. So obviously it's, it's a big part of, you know, male on male intimacy and dating. Um, but the idea that like you have to wait longer to find someone who's also a side or who's happy to not have penetration to be part of the orientation um, is not always true. Um, you know, I'm, I'm often pleasantly surprised. I'll find even sometimes on dates these days, I find that I'm really apprehensive to have that conversation. And I often do assume that people that I'm on dates with want penetration. In fact, I'll admit that I often assume that if it's kind of it's an assumption that I have. I assume that people I'm on dates want penetration. And so I feel awkward and stressed and apprehensive bringing that up. And I think, okay, sure, maybe we've had a couple good sexual encounters, but eventually they're going to want penetration. And then the reality is when I have that conversation, a lot of times it's, 
actually, no, that was never, you know, and I could have had that conversation from day one, alleviated all the fear and anxiety. And so it's like Jason says, it's just all about honesty. I think we, you know, we also have our own assumptions. We assume that everyone else is not, you know, like us or, or whatever. Good point. And that's harmful too, you know? So, so yeah. Um, well, I think I'm, I'm wondering if at this point, as people are listening, particularly people who identify as gay men, if they've made it this far, some of them are rolling their eyes and saying, oh, well, you know, this is just crazy. And I, and I, the way I kind of describe it to some people is, you know, I think personally, I know medically where the prostate is and people of all genders who have prostates like that being stimulated. Many people do. Um, so, okay. So, but that doesn't mean that everybody does. Now, for a, someone who identifies as male to have oral sex on someone else who identifies as male, that's, if you want to use the strict dichotomy, that's, that's something that's rather homosexual. That's rather gay. Um, and so I've talked about that with people. And then also, um, you know, they, many people will say, I just can't understand how you just don't like top or bottom. Like how is like, I, they, like, I love that so much. Like, how could you, pop? and I say to somebody, well, do you, when you do oral sex, as many people do, do you swallow? And they're like, Oh, no, I don't like, it. I'm disgusting or whatever. I'm like, how, like that's to me, that just sounds weird because I'm like, that's the best part. And I, so I've explained that to people. I said, you see your reaction to that. That's how I feel about this. And sometimes they're like the light bulb will go off. I'm like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And like, to me, like I, you know, after someone has, has had an orgasm, like some people are like, Oh, just this disgusting. Let's clean it. I know people like that. I'm like, you're, you're still hundred percent gay. That's fine. My, when it comes to sex, I say this to friends and patients, um, I really only have two criteria. The first is that everybody involved, including partners not present, consent to what's happening or about to happen. Um, and two, and that assumes that they're that they are able to consent. And two, no one is being harmed to the point of needing medical attention. And if those two are satisfied, have at it. And I think these the labels that we seem to want to put on ourselves are really ultimately not helpful. Um, particularly when they set into stone at the very beginning of an of a relationship or, or connection between two people, things that don't need to be there. Um, and so, I think the labels, you know, especially someone, um, you know, maybe who identifies as bisexual or not, you know, pansexual or all sorts of things. I always just say we're all human, and you, yeah. you know, I, I have patients that I will ask them. Um, someone who's a cisgender woman, it's hard for me to ask her about receiving anal sex, but it's part of health. And I, so I've, I've started being better at asking. I find so many more women that I didn't even know that I should have been asking are. So the point is that the sexuality and sexual expression has such diversity. And I think that we all, as, as queer people, we like to talk about, oh, we like diversity. That's important, but let's, let's mean it and, and say, Hey, this works for you. Can I get involved in that? Do I want to get involved in that? If yes, great. If not, you do you, I do me. We're all happy. And I think we can, should all just respect each other for that. You know, based on all the device, we are very diverse as gay and bisexual men, but then we're not tolerant of each other. There's so exactly. much lack of differentiation. Yeah. What makes you different makes you wrong, makes you bad. And I, I'm going to be honest. I spent years wondering, do I not like anal sex because I was an enema baby? You guys are too young to maybe know what an enema baby was. But in the 60s, every time that I went to the doctor, the doctor would say, give him an enema, give him an enema. So my mother gave me too many enemas. Or because of AIDS, the AIDS crisis, I'm older than both of you. So I went through all that. I came out not negative, but it didn't matter. I was It still traumatized me to watch all these people die. And most of it was anal sex. And I often think 
uh, that maybe that was why I didn't get HIV because I don't do anal sex. Or, mm. and I thought, well, is, are those reasons why, or, or am I heteronormative? I've, I've checked myself and I've realized it doesn't fucking matter. I don't mm-hmm. like it. I don't hate it. I don't love it. I just don't. It's neutral. And mm-hmm. I, it can be okay for whatever reasons that they are. And there's, yeah. there's, I've seen there's like, so, like, like a fringe far right group of people who identify as gay men who, and I'm like, well, that's, that's not the same thing. That's not even remotely close. Yeah. And I think that yeah. thinking, assuming that someone who's not into anal has misogyny or internalized homophobia, that's playing back into those same dichotomies and heteronormativism that, your people are purporting to work against. So again, I go back to everybody's old enough to consent. No one's being harmed. That's all that matters. That is literally all that matters. And that's it. And all the rest is just nonsense. Yeah. I I did an article about being aside and they put um, the publication, which I won't mention, um, put (laughs) see similar or similar ideologies. And it's basically pinned in my article with what you're talking about, which are the GOYs, um, G-0-Y. Uh, which is this horrible group of, of quite like, um, yeah, just, just a very problematic group that has nothing to do with, you know, not liking penetrative sex. And I've, I've gotten the internalized homophobia thing over and over and over again in my videos on the subject. It's a regular comment. And it's so frustrating because um, at the end of the day, it just has nothing to do with, with anything, you know, uh, me not enjoying being penetrated has nothing to do with, you know, internalized homophobia. And it's, um, yeah, it, it is really frustrating. And it also sets the idea that that is um, what it is to be, that you have to enjoy it to be, you know, LGBT plus, um, that that's like the ultimate form of, of self-acceptance. Um, and there are people that will never be able to engage in anal sex for various, um, you know, medical reasons. It tells them that they are, you know, wrong or that their bodies are wrong. And this is also something I wanted to kind of bounce off with what you're saying, Jason, is that not only are, you know, and, and uh, you as well, like not only are there, there erotic differences, but um, there's also very physical differences in the way that our bodies process eroticism as well. Like, for example, um, like I very much see my nipples as an erogenous zone. That's such an overshare, but, you know, um, it's, it's erogenous. It's an enjoyable it's something that gives me physical pleasure and can be extremely stimulating whereas i know men that do not get any erotic pleasure derived from their nipples whatsoever yeah. and actually find it i'm one of those so am i okay <laughs> and this is so confusing to me because i'm like no you like it's a physical response like of course it's erotic but the reality is our bodies are just different and we quite literally probably have different you know, um, physical makeup of that area of our body that sends different signals and has different, you know, so this idea that, you know, people are like, oh, but this is so enjoyable. Well, for you, yes. And they're like, well, no, for all men, not necessarily. We have different bodies. We have different, there's so many different aspects of our human experience. Um, And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful, wonderful aspect of sexuality, Um, you know. So we have to come to an end. Um, I want to just first um, uh, say more about you before we do and then where people can find you. I'll start with you, Bradley. You know, you're a modern LGBTQ plus pioneer, YouTuber, activist and writer, and you explore issues around sexuality and identity in your weekly YouTube videos and articles. Where can people find you? So um, I'm on all social media at Bradley Burkholz. That's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y-B-I-R-K-H-O-L-Z. Um, Rachel Z, if you're American, and, um, that's that's me on on all social media um, and YouTube. So yeah, feel free to connect. 
Thank you so much. And then we had today Jason Villarreal. He's a Latino nurse practitioner focusing on HIV treatment, prevention, and primary care, serving mostly Spanish speakers in New York City with interest in GLBTQ health and identifying and dismantling inequality and building more just systems. Where can they find you, Jason? Um, I'm not as much of a social media person. I don't have YouTube or Twitter or any of that stuff. Um, I mean, I guess I have an Instagram. Okay, <laughs> um, what's your Instagram? So uh, it's uh, NYCNPAMDG. It's all all those letters. Great. But, um, yeah, I don't. I'm, it's it's I've I've never gotten much into uh, YouTube or Twitter or stuff like that. I guess I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> You're not. But Nothing thank you both. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that at all. We all have our own styles, right? We no judgment here. We're all that's sides. right. We're here not to judge. (laughs) Listen, both of you, thank you so much for doing this, taking your time out. And um, for those of you that are listening, I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you're looking for me online, you can go to Dr. Joe Court on Twitter. And um, you can find me on Instagram as well with Dr. Joe Court as well. Please stay safe and healthy. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.